There's Bergeron on one timer. Save Romer. Rebound loose on the top of the crease. Rashad score! Bergeron! Bergeron! In game seven! Hello out there. We're on the air. It's hockey night tonight. This is the Dump and Chase podcast with Mike Rennell. The milk on the bottom is colder. No, it's not. Obviously, you've never been locked overnight in a dairy storage facility. Yo, you don't even know what stupid is. It's about to get all stupid up in here. Presented by ESPN New Hampshire. This is your time. That's what we're here for, guys, to win. All right, welcome into episode four of the Dump and Chase podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Cornell. And as always, you can subscribe to the Dump and Chase podcast on iTunes for listen on SoundCloud. And as always, ESPNNHradio.com. Great show on tap for this week. Pete Blackburn of Fox Sports joins the podcast. And, you know, there's a lot I want to talk about Pete with. First, you know, I do want to dive into Pete's, you know, rise to Twitter fame because Pete you know, he is Twitter famous to anyone that's, you know, using the the website a lot. And I also want to get into his uh, beef with a well-known hockey writer here in Boston. And we'll, we'll talk about the Bruins and the World Cup of Hockey and, and all that bullshit that pertains to that as well. So without further ado, let's welcome Pete into the podcast. Pete, thanks for joining me this week. And be sure to check out all of his stuff on FoxSports.com. And also check out his podcast, Brunch with DJ Bean. And then the infamous Section 10 podcast with Pete, Jerry Carabas, and Steve Peral. Pete, what's going on, buddy? How's life at Fox Sports treating you? It's, uh, it's busy, but it's good. Thanks for having me. No problem. So, Pete... I do want to talk about your rise to, um, you know, Twitter fame and, and your career overall because, you know, when I first started following you on Twitter, you were just blogging for Next Impulse Sports, I think. I think that was who it was. And that was about two years ago, I think. 20,000 followers later, you're basically, you know, a must-follow now on Twitter. I mean, during the NHL playoffs, you had freaking porn stars tweeting at you. And, and let me just say, I'm a huge Mia Khalifa fan. She is phenomenal at what she, she does or, or what she at least used to do. But, uh, you know, what's it like to, you know, have people like Mia Khalifa and, you know, tweeting at you and in, in, in this, this rise to, you know, fame here? Uh, when that stuff always happens, it's, it's like, it's pretty surreal. It's just like, Jesus, I'm familiar with your work. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so that was funny. And, uh, a lot lot of people enjoyed that and I had some fun with it. So it's always cool to see, um, when, you know, well-known people or people that you think are, you know, like actual legitimate celebrities that people know when they're, when they're familiar with your work, that's cool. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a crazy two years and, uh, I don't know, man. The 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 path has been kind of surreal too. Um, just kind of like you said, two years ago was that like a little startup uh, running nextimpulsesports.com, uh, and now we're here. So it's uh, it's been a ride. Yeah, tell me about that. So you started at Next Impulses, or or did you have what did you do before that? Um, I started a blog when I was in college, and I ran that. Uh, basically doing it on my own for like four years. Um, so I kind of just did. Uh, like similar stuff to what I'm doing now, but like I was 
way more raw and just kind of figuring out like the landscape of of the blogosphere and getting familiar with working on the internet every single day uh so i did that for four years and then as soon as i graduated um i was offered uh, a job with next impulse sports and you know it wasn't you know, I wasn't making a lot of money or anything like that, but I was, I ran that site for, for a couple of years and, and got some cool opportunities out of it and did some, some side jobs here and there. Um, but then, you know, from there, I went from there to Uproxx. And so as soon as I went to Uproxx, it was like, all right, this can legitimately become my full-time job. So it, it's, um, you know, I, I, obviously started uh from like a very small scale um and now i'm kind of uh growing uh increasingly growing in my audience and and the audience of the place that i work for so it, it's been it's been cool yeah i mean for kids who first off i mean getting paid getting a you know a blogging or, or writing job right out of college just to begin with that's that's good because not a lot of kids can do that i mean when I was over at ESPN New Hampshire, well, I still am at ESPN New Hampshire, but I was managing all the writers at ESPN, and I mean, kids, kids will write for free. You know, kids, yeah. kids are just trying to get their content out there. But um, you know, back to um, you know, y- your kind of rise. How how did the whole? Well, well first off, up up rocks. I, I got to be honest with you. I always thought it was pronounced uproar. <laughs> no, I really no, did. Uproxx. Wow, wow, that's uh. It's big. It's big for me. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's always uh, one of the like the one. Of, I love Uproxx and I loved working there, and I've been a fan of the site for long before I went there. But like one of the the most frustrating things about working at Uproxx is telling people that you work at Uproxx because <laughs> most people like have no idea what it is yeah. unless you're like on the internet all the time or you're a huge pop culture junkie because I mean it's a really big site if you're into pop culture and stuff like that uh, but on the sports side it was kind of when I came on I was like one of the first employees brought on to just work in sports so to like tell people I work for Uproxx Sports they're like yeah. what the hell is that and yeah. you have to like spell it for them and all that so <laughs> it, I don't have those problems at Fox Sports, so it's nice. Now you seem—you always seemed like the type of guy to me that would work at Barstool. Was that ever, you know, was that ever a thing? Was that ever talked about? Yeah, it was definitely talked about. I had a, I had a conversation with uh, with El Prez, Dave, um, over there, and it was uh, we had a conversation about potentially going there. Um, but uh, you know, it just didn't work out with the timing and stuff like that, and and I think. What what was decided? It was like, hey, if you're if you're available um, in a couple months or something like that, it was let's revisit it. Um, but then the the Fox Sports offer came in, so I couldn't turn that down. Um, but yeah, it was discussed at one point. Yeah, Jesus, I mean, Fox Sports. Twenty five, you told me you're twenty five years old, and you have Fox Sports, and in your job title is what? Senior writer. Yep. That's <laughs> that's pretty cool. At twenty five years old to say you're a senior writer at Fox Sports. Yeah, to be called anything, any anything senior when yeah. you're 25 years old is pretty, <laughs> it's pretty jarring. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a really awesome opportunity and one that I couldn't turn down. Yeah. So how did that all happen? If you you know if you don't mind me asking, like how, how did it all come to be? Um, the guy, the guy who basically runs the show for digital at, at, um, at Fox, his name is Mike Foss and, and he, uh, he reached out to me and I guess that he had seen some of my work and been following me for a little bit. Um, and he, he reached out to me and he said, you know, I think you'd be a really good fit here for what we're trying to do. Um, so would you be willing to have a conversation with me and, and kind of, 
you know, talk about potentially joining the team over here. So uh, I talked to him and he's a really, he's a really cool guy. And, and um, you know, our visions kind of aligned for what uh, he wanted for me and what I wanted for myself. So um, it was, again, it was just a, it was just an offer that I really couldn't turn down. Um, I love my job at, at Uprox, um, but this is, this was an opportunity that was, you know, I, I really couldn't have ever dreamed of it. Yeah. And dude, do they let you work from home still? You're still in Boston, aren't you? Yeah, I'm still from I'm still in Boston. Um, oh, I think wow. that's 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 the that's the dream right there. It really is. It really is. It's like uh, you know, when I when I told people that, it was like, so where are you moving? Where are you going? L.A., New York, something like that. And I was like, no, nah, I'm gonna be home for a while for for the time being. <laughs> um, so that was uh, that was pretty awesome and and made it a lot easier to accept. Um, I think eventually, you know, I would like to expand, and I'm sure that that would require me to go somewhere else um, but for now it's nice being home and, and being able to kind of do things the way that I've always done them but just for like a bigger platform exactly but now now let's let's plug plug the podcast here because you know I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of the section 10 podcast um, you know that's kind of one of the reasons I think I, I really got into podcasting you know it was always something I wanted to do but then when you see you know a couple of schmucks like you and Carabas and Peralt make such a big thing out of a Peralt, I, I mean, out of a, uh, out of a simple podcast, it was like, I was like, I, I got to do this. I got to try this. It, it, it's, it's, it's not as difficult as people may think it is. So, you know, I think the, the section 10 podcast is, is so well done. Um, you know, it's got a huge following, but tell me a little bit about the other podcast you do with uh, DJ Bean. Tell me a little bit about brunch. Cause that one's seeming to, you know, a lot of people are starting to talk about that one. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's so hard to describe. It really is. It's it's just basically me and DJ just uh, kind of shooting the shit on a weekly basis. And I mean, it's a, there's a lot of pop culture. There's a little bit of sports, um, but. I think like the, the best way to describe it is the thing that we most do on the podcast is we make fun of like male over masculinity and kind <laughs> of just like the over bravado of like, oh, I'm a sports fan. Blah, blah. Yeah. Like, and there's like so many guys like that where it's just like they're they put on such like a tough exterior and so we kind of just try to break that down a little bit and uh we have some fun with it and those are of, the same kids that would wear like a football jersey or like a baseball jersey to school like every single day right yeah it's and that's coming i mean that's funny because I, I wear basketball jerseys literally all summer <laughs> well but, sun, sun's out guns out that's completely right exactly you gotta, uh, you so know. yeah it's it's like the guys who uh who just like you know say like no homo and stuff like that it's like we try to kind of just like break down that that wall it's that's like you have to be this tough guy to be a sports fan yeah i like it i i'm gonna have to to give it a listen because i'll be honest with you I, I haven't listened to it too much i would yeah i would say give it a shot i mean there are there are a lot of people who kind of just listen because they know me and dj but i think they're also there's also been a lot of listeners that I've like that that don't know our bodies of work and who have said that they that I that they enjoy it and it's people that I don't really expect to enjoy it. So I think that like there's there's no specific audience in mind. So that's kind of cool. So in regard to these podcasts, now do you guys have a studio to do these in? Like how do you, how do you get these podcasts done because the the quality of the podcast is, you know, it, it's it's good. 
Yeah, it's uh, we have a stu- I have a studio in, in my basement actually, and uh, oh, wow. it's kind of like it's not like this crazy. Oh wait, is that is that where the Alan Craig Studio resides? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my basement. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's where we do. Um, well, we used to do both podcasts there, and now we kind of do Section Ten more remote because Steve works in in New York City. Um, but yeah, it's it's in my basement, and it's not like this fancy ass setup. Um, we have some we have some good equipment, but it's not like super expensive. But it gets the job done. All right, yeah, yeah. Now I, I didn't even have this in my notes, but now that you talk about Section Ten and doing remote podcasts, I gotta talk to you about Kurt Schilling. Like what? <laughs> that actually wasn't remote. That was uh, that was at Kurt Schilling's house. Yeah, yeah. You went to his house, and I mean, I yeah. I, I talked to Jared about it after, and and he kind of was just saying how you know it's surreal. You're sitting there in, in Kurt Schilling's you know, basement while his, his wife is like making you food and stuff. But I mean, what, what was that like for you? I mean, I, that guy was like a legend. To yeah, us. it was, it was super weird because, and I think the weirdest thing about it is that it, it really didn't feel weird because we were sitting there and I, and it was kind of like, all right, we got this thing to do. Let's do it. And like, you're not really that starstruck or anything like that. But then you think about it and you're like, well, 10 years ago, I was watching this guy pitching the World Series and help helping the Red Sox break the curse or whatever. So, so was it one of those things where you kind of like when you went to bed that night, you're kind of like, holy shit, I just did a podcast with Kurt Schilling. Yeah, pretty much. And it's like and I think other people's excitement and, and like weirdness and being like, oh, man, that must be so weird or whatever. You're like. Well, it wasn't until you kind of just said that. And now it's like, <laughs> all right, now you kind of have to realize that like. This is a this is a cool thing that we got to do. It's like I watched this dude pitch, you know, bloody sock and beat the Yankees. And it's like it doesn't feel like it, in the moment it doesn't feel like, holy shit, I'm doing this. But then it's like now you kind of realize how how far you've come and, and the, the opportunity and how cool it is. So that's that's awesome. All right. Right now. What was better? Mia Khalifa or Kurt Schilling? <laughs> uh, Two completely different uh, directions. I, there. I, yeah, for sure, definitely different. Uh, I think the uh, like the the responses that I got from the Mia Khalifa stuff was hilarious, and that like that stuff lasted for months, and it was just like hilarious jokes, and and everybody had so much fun with it. The fact that she was tweeting at me all the time, um, but like the actual like in the moment experience, it was it was cool to be at Kurt Schilling's house. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Uh, Pete, let's move on here. Um, you know, big big question that you know a lot of hockey twitter seems to be asking is you know what the fuck is up with you and hags like what is going on with you two i mean it is this serious beef or or is this some biggie tupac shit that's just up to get you both you guys ratings up like is he secretly your uncle and like you guys planned this like a few years ago or like what's going on with hags we ha- we have had zero private conversations like Every interaction that we've had with each other has been right out in front of everybody. So if if there's any inclination that like we're doing this behind the scenes to kind of drum up some some excitement on, on Twitter or whatever, that's not the case. Uh, but like, I, I don't know. It's I think that he has kind of I've always been kind of a, 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 a ball buster of his work. Yeah, I'm a ball buster. I'm a ball buster for everybody pretty much. And and I think that. Uh, the way that somebody responds to it really kind of points me in a direction like of what to think of them. Because even if I don't love Haggerty's writing or his coverage or whatever, which I don't, uh, like if he handled it well and kind of 
you know, busted my balls back, I'd have more respect for him. And he, he, I will say, to his credit, he's been better about, like, trading jabs with me and kind of in seemingly in good fun. So, like, when that happens, I'm all for being like, all right, this guy might not be the worst. Like, he's he's fine. Um, but, like, towards the beginning, he played, like, the, the oh, I'm better than you card. Like, you you only make gifts. Like, you're a gift boy. That's yeah, where well, gift boy you, came you from. Don't, you don't take offense to the gift boy nickname, do you? I mean, I, I don't. But I do. I wouldn't, though, because gift boy got you Mia Khalifa tweeting at you, and I'm not going to let right. that go. I'll keep bringing it up. Right. So that's <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. It's like. I don't take offense to like the the name gift boy or anything like that, but but it, like when somebody suggests that like that's all that I can do and that's all that I'm good for, that's a little insulting because yeah. I think that you know I've I'm a senior writer of Fox Sports now. Obviously, I hell yeah, have, say it loud and proud. Right. So I I think that I've proved that I can do more than just put gifts on the internet. Uh, so like for him to just like and even if that was all that I could do. To, to like to use it in a derogatory sense to be like, oh, you make gifts. What a loser. Like it's that's like saying you shouldn't fucking create things that, that people are looking for online and, and that people can get actual value out of. Uh, so like that was kind of like I wasn't in, like I wasn't I didn't take offense to it, but it's 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 a little a little bit of a low blow. Yeah, I mean, I. And it just like I've there, there are so many things that kind of bother me with the way that he approaches like his job. He 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 loves to retweet compliments and, and stuff like that. And he gets he's very thin skinned. And if anybody criticizes his work, he gets super defensive. And I just I mean, I just don't I think that like being self-aware is the most important thing that you is one of the most important things that you can be as a sports writer or a sports media person. And and, and you know, being self-aware means that like you can recognize that maybe you've you aren't the best at something or you you did something wrong or your opinion was kind of off on something and he is he's so thin-skinned when it comes to criticizing anything about him so uh that that's the i mean that's the only the only thing that i i would say about him and and kind of just that's why it escalated to the point where now there's like a supposed beef between us i mean you don't you don't have any other beef with anyone to to Hag's extent, do you? Because uh, <laughs> I know you do, you, you do, like we said, you are a ball buster. Right, yeah, and like I think that's something that I take pride in. Like even if I like somebody, it's like if you if you write something that I disagree with or you say something dumb, like I'm gonna call you on it, and I would expect you to call call me on it if if you thought that I was doing the same thing. Um, so like I think the only one that I can think of uh, to the extent of hags, maybe not as frequent but i went back back and forth with bart hubbock like a couple years ago oh that, but maybe he maybe sucks. a year ago he and that's sucks. just literally insane that guy is just like absolutely insane did you see his tweet the other day about um during the texas game about about the co-eds with the beers i did see that actually i saw oh it because it was God. manually re- retweeted or something like that because i'm blo- oh, i was blocked i was blocked by bart hubbock uh, after the exchange that we had about a year ago um, in which he because he's the most anti-patriots guy on the planet and I don't consider myself a gigantic Patriots homer uh, but like 
his coverage of Deflategate and everything surrounding the Patriots is just so biased that it's crazy. Yeah. He, so I decided to call him out on that, and then we went back and forth, and then he ended up blocking me. But I did, I did see that retweet about the the people drinking, uh, drinking at the Texas game, and he and what the, and what I the hell do you want them to do? Unblocked me. But like that tweet is just the most insane. Like I'm such an old loser. Yeah. Exactly. He was like, it's a bad look for college students to be drink to be slugging tall beers in the stands. It's like, that's what you do at college football. You have had no fun in e- your life. Exactly. That that's a good recruiting plea, you know, for Texas. Like we have hot yeah, chicks we, that we are pounding tall, tall boys in the fourth quarter of games. But um, yeah. Pete, Pete, let's move on and uh, you know let's let's talk a little hockey here. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about the World Cup of hockey that's starting up. Um, you know, in the next few weeks here. Um, I I'm not gonna ask who who your favorite is because I feel like you'd have to be shit faced to pick anyone other than Canada. I mean, yeah. Stephen Stephen Stamkos is on their third line. But you know, overall <laughs> thoughts on the World Cup. You know, you like it. You you don't like it. You know, who's your you got it? Got a sleeper team. You know, what are you looking forward to see? Um, I, I, I've seen a lot of people complaining about it and that kind of makes me mad. It's like, there's no reason to complain about this. It's, it's not necessarily meaningful hockey, but it's more meaningful than preseason hockey. Yeah. And it promotes nationalism. Right. I love that shit. We're getting international hockey and we're getting competitive hockey earlier than usual. So if you're a hockey fan, then what is there to complain about? Like it's insane. And, and so I'm not necessarily taking it super seriously or anything like that, but I am interested to see where it goes. And I do think that there are definite, you know, possibilities for it to work. And and I'm excited to see kind of the, the format and, and how it plays out. Um, I am. I do think that, that Canada is insane. So I'm, I'm interested, interested to see if anybody will take them down. But other than that, I'm kind of. The biggest thing that I'm looking forward to is seeing uh, seeing Team North America and seeing oh, how they stack up against everybody else. McDavid and Eichel, that's going to be fun to watch. I mean, right. I think that's, that's maybe the most intriguing aspect of the tournament is to see how like these 23 and under kids – you know, stack up against the veterans and, and, you know, especially like team USA and Pete, think about the, think about the power play on this North American team. I'm looking at the lines right now, but a power play on team North America that would consist of Eichel McDavid, um, Johnny Goudreau, Aaron Ekbald and Shane Gothisphere. Like that's, that's a stacked power play. Stacked. Don't, don't take penalties against that team. Yeah. Then you pull Uh, the goalie and put Austin Matthews out there as well. It's going to be a good test for uh, for the people who who say like you know to win in today's NHL you need speed and skill uh, and that like that you know veteran presence and and grit and you know big bodies are are overrated in today's NHL so it's going to be a good test to see like if young talent and speed and all that is what you need to win in in today's NHL then Team North America will be very very hard to beat. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they stack up against like basically every other team other than Canada. Canada, first line, Sidney Crosby, Brad Marchand, and Patrice Bergeron. That's going to be fun to watch, huh? Oh, yeah. That's gonna Thank be God they got uh, Brad Marchand, a good center for once. Yeah, I, I, and I feel like Claude Julien you know, s- told them they are not putting Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and Tyler Sagan together just for all the <laughs> havoc it would create in Boston. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Yeah. I would not be able to watch. Yeah, no. Um, team USA. You know, what are your thoughts on them? You have any, um, you know, you think they have any chance at this, really? 
Um, I, they're not my favorite, that's for sure. Um, but I do think that uh, they kind of got the benefit of the doubt on the on the the, the group plays and stuff like that. I think it's basically uh, the, the tournament itself feels like it's been set up so that Canada and USA will face off in the the final round, the best of three. Yeah. Um, it's either going to be like it's going to be that it's or it's going to be like Canada versus. You know, one of the I think I can't can't remember. I think it's uh like maybe Sweden or something like that. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm, I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if USA winds up in the uh, in the final, the best of three against Canada because I think it's you know been shaped that way. But uh, I'm not expecting them to come out here and win. I mean, their team their team seems kind of. Uh, I mean, there are definitely some elite USA players for sure. But it's not like the the USA Olympic team where it's like, all right, you got a really great chance of going out and uh, yeah. and and you know trying to win gold. So uh, I'm 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 interested. The uh, I'm a little disappointed in the jerseys. I will say, really, you don't like them? I don't love them. No. I haven't seen I, all of them yet, but I di- I thought I saw the North Americans and I thought I liked them. The North Americans one is the one with the uh the, it's like the black and the uh, neon orange. With a weird uh, triangle crest type I, thing. I think I might like that. I, I mean, I, I, I definitely don't think it's the worst. Uh, it's definitely the most criticized, uh, but I don't think it's the worst. I think Team Europe has the worst jerseys. Hold on, I'm looking up the jerseys now. All right, so I got the jerseys here right now. Team I Europe. I did a rankings uh, oh, yeah, like, Europe uh, when they first came out, but uh, Europe, Europe definitely has the worst ones, in my opinion. I don't, I, don't, I don't really like Russia's either. I think Russia's could be better. I actually like Russia's. I think I think I had Russia as like my top <laughs> one, to be honest. And Canada's aren't bad. I don't mind Canada's. Oh yeah, Canada's are pretty sweet. They uh, it's basically like the 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 maple leaf logo or whatever, yeah. but it has like the sharper edges and it's really clean and and modern and I like it. It's a really nice like, hey, this isn't an Olympic jersey, but yeah. it's like a cool modern you know World Cup new event. We're here to have shit up kind of jersey. You're right. Yeah. Um, so you know, with uh, with the World Cup, you know, are are you okay with you know sending Bruins players to play in it? Cause I I want to kind of transition here into the Bruins, but you know, David Krejci the other day came out and said, you know, he's not going to go play. Thank God, because just what we need is that guy to get another injury. But I mean, are you okay with sending you know guys over there to play? Because I'm completely fine with it. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I mean, I understand why guys who are coming off of injuries and stuff like that wouldn't want to go over there and and risk, you know, possibly re-aggravating it and missing regular season time. But, I mean, you talk about it like the NHL preseason too. Like, guys, anybody who goes out there risks the the chance of getting hurt in a a meaningless preseason game. But you need it. You need guys to to shake off the rust and and things like that. And, And these guys are going to be going full speed and they're going to be going in actual like meaningful games with intense competition. And I think at the end of the day, like there's a chance that they could get hurt or whatever and miss time for the regular season. But that that always exists. And I think that the the going full speed aspect, you can make the argument that it's only going to help them when it comes time it's to start the, game. the NHL regular season. It, it's only going to help them. And, and, you know, they're going to be in in full game shape quicker. So I think that I have no problem sending guys over, and I don't think that this tournament is worth playing at all if you're not going to get, you know, the best of the best to play in it. Because think about it, like if if 
if there weren't like the if the team Canada wasn't completely stacked and didn't have like the biggest names and there weren't the biggest names from from NHL players uh, participating in it, would anybody really care? It would just be another tournament that would just kind of get neglected, and yeah, it'd be, be like, like oh, the IHF, that, all that stuff. Right, exactly. So I think it'd be it'd basically be like the World Championships. Um, yeah, and yeah, and nobody right. really cares about the World Championships. No. So no, but um, you know, let, let's move on to the Bruins here, and um, you know, I, I do want to get your thoughts on this upcoming year. You know, really, what's your prediction for the team? I, I'm personally, I'm a little worried about this team again. They didn't really get any better. Um, you know, obviously they had some injuries last year, like we said before, you know, Krejci is coming off, you know, a hip injury and, and they had some bad injuries last year, but I mean, th- this team has to make the playoffs. They have to, I think this team is too good. You have two, like we said before, I mean, Bergeron and Marshall are on the top line for team Canada playing alongside Sidney Crosby. You have, I mean, I think they have the second highest, most players playing in the World Cup of Hockey. I think they have seven guys going there. So they can't, to me, I mean, they can't miss the playoffs again, but I don't think they've done really anything to... I like the David Backus signing, I do, but I, I don't think they've gotten that much better. Yeah, my, my outlook on them is basically almost the same as it was last year. It's like they can it can go either way. They're going to either be like one of the like a seven or eight playoff team or they're going to miss the playoffs again uh i agree that they haven't gotten much better i mean their biggest detractor from last year was the defense and they didn't improve the defense at all uh you can you can honestly make the argument that their defense might have gotten worse uh since last year the only hope that they have is that you know hopefully some of these young guys that they slotted in to to replace you know dougie hamilton and and those other guys last year uh you can only hope that they kind of progressed and have gotten better uh over the over the offseason and will be better this season uh but i mean how so, much longer are you gonna have to wait on guys like joe morrow like it, it, you can only you know wait so long no, I, I agree. And, and I mean, NHL defensemen, young defensemen take longer than any other NHL prospects oh, to develop. I agree. You need, like, you need like 200 games for these guys to like fully reach uh, any potential that they have. So uh, to slot those guys in last year and expect that they weren't going to fully drop off a, a big amount. That was unrealistic by by the Bruins brass. Uh, and I think that they're they're relying on them again too much this year. Um, unless they pull off some move before the season starts, but I think that the defense is going to be is going to be so bad again this year that that it's going to you know even if they did improve on offense, which I'm very skeptical about with the uh, the loss of Louis and the addition of Bacchus, even if they did improve on offense, uh, then I still think that the defense is going to really hold them back. I do think I do think David Backus does help them from a defensive standpoint, only in the sense of I mean, you have three stack centers. David, it sounds like David Backus, from everything, you know, I'm hearing, is gonna play center. I mean, Charlie Jacobs said the other day that you know they're deep at center and with Krejci, Bergeron, and Backus. So, and I personally believe he's gonna play center. Claude loves being deep at center. So when when they're deep at center, I mean that that helps them defensively, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I I don't hate the addition of Bacchus. I think that he's a guy that'll come in here and be. Uh, they need a guy like that, right? I I agree, and and I th- I don't hate the addition. I didn't like the commitment that they made to him with the contract. Um, you know, I don't like paying your your third line center five million dollars or six million dollars. Uh, so that it's that the was a uh, thing to that, do, though. 
Huh? It's the Bruin thing to do. It really is. It really is. And especially when it, when it's an older guy and you're making that that long term commitment for a guy who loves to throw the body around and, and, and you know, may experience, you know, deterioration over the, the length of the contract. I think that was a, a risky play by, by the Bruins. Um, but I, I mean, I do like the addition. Uh I, I'm I'm a, I'm just a little skeptical about what they're going to be a, able to accomplish as a group uh, if they're always playing from behind. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree, and you know some some people I'm I'm personally not one of them believe that Tukarask is part of that problem that they always play behind. You know, I'm not one who's on the trade Tukarask train. You know, are you on that train? I'm I've been the biggest Tukarask apologist for the past. Uh, probably like five years, and it's just—it's crazy to me how much hate that guy gets. It's crazy when he, when he is consistently one of the best goalies in the league, in my opinion. Like, I mean, did you see I, the NHL Network come out with the top ten goalies, and he wasn't? Yeah, and he, and he wasn't in it, and that's crazy to Mark me. Mark Andre Fleury was in it, and, and Mark right. Andre Fleury blows. It's—it's it's insane to me. Like. It, it's so hard for people to wrap their head around the fact that if you have a bad defense, your goalie is going to look bad. Your goalie's numbers are going to inflate. He is not going to have an easy a time or as an impressive as a time in between the pipes as he would if you had a really great defense. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of this in a similar aspect, it's like, People criticize Henrik Lundqvist for not carrying the Rangers to a Stanley Cup and criticize him for having not won anything in New York. Well, it's because his the defense in front of him has sucked. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, for people, I it's part of me almost wants to grass to get traded just so that Bruins fans will have to realize you know, how, how good they had they it at it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and see that not everybody that you slot in between the pipes is going to, to give you Tukarask esque performances and, and, and talent like Bruins fans are so spoiled with the last two goaltenders that they've had being Tukarask. I mean, remember the days of John Graham and, and right. guys like so that. that. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. It's like how, how short are Bruins fans memories where they can't remember the days where it was impossible to find a goalie that would give you, you know, consistency and, you know, a really, really great goaltender. And now you've had two in a row and now you just want to get rid of them. Pete, it's crazy. Pete, you think Claude Julien's the problem here? You think, or, or at least one of the problems here? Um, I think that, you know, that he has his faults, but I was, I was against the, the fire Claude rebellion this past off season, just because I didn't I, I don't have faith in what else is available out on the coaching market uh, unless they're going to, you know, tap into I'm right there with you unless they're going to tap into the college market and find, you know, a really bright young coach who can come up and help these young guys develop. Uh, that would be fine. But I don't have faith in the front office to go and find that guy and you know bring him in especially with their mindset which seems to be like uh big bad bruins you know we need to do things the way that we've always done them and and the way that we had success before Uh, i don't see them kind of being progressive in that sense and and finding like the young the young stud who can come in and help uh so i was definitely not on team fire claude yeah i mean it it just what i'm worried most about is is that they're going to bring in the wrong guy like you said like they're they're going to fire Claude and bring in 
someone like I mean, they promoted Bruce Cassidy. We saw them do promote Bruce Cassidy this this offseason into being that assistant assistant coach role. And he if, if Julian gets the can, Bruce Cassidy's probably going to be the guy. And while Cassidy does handle the guys well in Providence, and you know he he is good at developing the players, and I just don't know if I if he's the right guy. I don't. Right, it's it's a dangerous game. I mean, you see what what's happened in Montreal with uh with Darian, and it's you know one one second the guy can look can look smart as hell, and then the next you're like, all right, well, how does this guy have a job? It's basically like John Farrell, exactly. <laughs> the Red Sox. Hey, there are two three years ago, guys, nobody had any complaints about John Farrell, and now the, every little thing that he does gets second guessed, and people are calling for his head, you know, every other day. So it it's it's really it's a tough it's a tough tough job to be an NHL coach or professional coach in general. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree, and um. You know, I, I do want to ask you, um, you know, Jimmy Vesey, real quick. Jimmy Vesey, what are your thoughts on, on how that whole thing kind of panned out? Um, I, I understand why people were exhausted with it, and I understand, you know, why by the end of it, people were just like, all right, who cares? Yeah. But, but at the same time, it's a, uh, it's, you know, a, a potential top six prospect that or not even a prospect it's a top six young guy who can immediately slot in and help your team for pennies on the dollar in a market where there's nobody left worth talking about or worth signing or bringing in so like obviously it's kind of a big deal stuff was a big deal and obviously there were a lot of teams vying for his services i don't think that the that uh, people who know hockey aren't like, oh, Jimmy Vesey is like the next Connor McDavid or anything like that. It's like, but he's somebody who can come in and help your team exactly very inexpensively. So I understand like all the uh, the people jumping through hoops and stuff like that, and and the media coverage was a product of of the time. Like it's a dead season in the NHL. There's no other news. Obviously, every move that VC makes is going to be tracked and stuff like that. Um, but as far as like the whole process goes, I mean. You can go either way where it's like he should have made he should have, you know, reported to the team that drafted him that made the commitment to him. It's you know, it's a little dick to kind of be like, well, I don't want to play for you, even though you drafted me or whatever. It's like the Eli he's probably thing. regretting that now, though. I mean, you look at you look at Nashville. Going, it because, really? I don't, think he, he, I don't think he regrets it because if he regretted it, he could have said, you know, maybe I'll go back to Nashville. It's like it seems like from the like very beginning he wanted nothing to do with Nashville, yeah. which is crazy, especially these days. Like Nashville is on the up and up where it's like you can make the argument that Nashville's in a better position to win a Stanley Cup next year than the New York Rangers Oh, without are. a doubt. without a, With yeah. the P.K. Subban and acquisition as well, I mean, I, I think that they're a top team in, in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. And so, uh, like, you can you can have your complaints about the process or whatever, but everything that he did was within its rights. It's, it's been established by the NHL that that guys can do this if they want to do it. So if that's if that's what he wanted to do, and, and he didn't want to be in Nashville, then then good for him for exercising his rights and, and carrying out the process. I mean, he he got what he wanted, so good for him. Jimmy Hayes kind of caught the shit end of the stick here with this whole thing. I mean, his his name not. Not that his name was already ruined, but I mean, his name was kind of dragged through the mud with this whole thing as well. Yeah, I mean, it's coming off a t- tough season last year, obviously. I, and I always thought that the the bar was raised a little a little high for Jimmy Hayes to begin Without with, just because he's a local kid. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, it's a, I don't know how that happened or or why that happened, but I would highly doubt that 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 guy would trash his own team and their chances at landing a guy like Jimmy VC. Uh, yeah, no chance. Know, just to just to be like, hey, don't come here. The pressure's too much. Yeah. It's like, hey, the pressure wouldn't be or the 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 media scrutiny wouldn't be as bad if you if you played well. Yeah, and, and Jimmy Hayes didn't play well, and last he knows year, so. he didn't play well for, for right, everything I heard. Right, exactly. He knows he sucked. Right. So I think that if if it reflects worse on Jimmy Hayes, if he were to say something like that, then it reflects on on the Boston market or, or the Bruins or anything exactly. like that. It's like they're mean because I didn't play well. Yeah. Well, play better, play better, play better and they'll love you. So Exactly. But Pete, all right, we'll leave it right there. Uh, this is the Dump and Chase podcast. Special thanks to Pete Blackburn for joining me. Uh, check out his stuff on FoxSports.com. Also, check out his two podcasts, the Section 10 podcast and Brunch. Be sure to tune in weekly. Subscribe on iTunes. I'll be back next week. Be sure to listen in. Peace.